Welcome to this special broadcast of Hope for the Heart with June Hunt. Recently, June sat down with friend and partner in ministry, Tanya Bredeheft, to talk about how God changed her life and gave her his message of hope and help to share with others. I'm Joe Wolf, and this is the last radio broadcast of this program. So stay tuned to hear how you can listen to June going forward. Now, as June shares her story and the stories of people she has met around the world, you might hear your story. But we want you to know that there is hope, no matter the circumstance. Here's June and Tanya. Today, we're going to talk to June about how God has used her and Hope for the Heart Ministry to impact millions of lives, way beyond anything she would have ever imagined 34 years ago. So, June, I'm going to start out going back in memory lane, (laughs) the first time I traveled with you internationally. Mm. And um, you were preparing me and educating me because I I had done some missionary work, but not in the way we were going to do it with teaching. Mm -hmm. And I remember you saying, oh, no one's really going to recognize me here like they do, you know, at home. And uh, we were traveling to Colombia, Bolivia and Mexico. And I'm sitting with you on a plane and the plane lands in Colombia and we all stand up. And there hadn't been 10 seconds. We were out of our seats. And this woman three rows up goes, oh. It's June Hunt. (laughs) Such a warm memory for me and the beginning of just a beautiful time of learning about teaching God's Word around the world. Mm -hmm. And I would love if you could just share with us, how did you go from all these teaching materials, all this counseling material, and now we're in 36 languages around the world? Mm -hmm. Did that just happen one day? Hardly. Um, Actually, there was a man, and he was assigned... uh, by me to reach the deaf, to train the deaf to reach the deaf. He was in the former Soviet Union, and he had some of our biblical counseling keys, and the hearing pastors saw what we had, and they wanted it in Russian. So that was our first translation that we had. It was a series of five books called The Keys. I would get all these invitations to speak at different places. We looked at, okay, this is from Moscow. This is from Kiev in Ukraine. Let's see, this is Romania. And so I was asked to do series at seminaries and Bible institutes. And we worked it out where I had these three different locales. So they would tell me in the different countries what they had going on or what would not be appropriate uh, or applicable of our keys for living. They tell me what they want me to speak on. Several times a day I'm teaching different courses and the first one they asked me to speak on depression and I told one story that had to do with childhood sexual abuse and all I know is after that session there were all these people lined up and they They had tears. Every time they'd come to me, they'd just either fall in my arms or just start weeping. And so now you're addressing something, helping people begin to face what has been stuffed, not spoken of. Then I go to Romania and a teacher comes up to me. She's a high school teacher at this uh, institute. And she said, She said, I have a student that's going down to nothing. She's just skin and bones, but she thinks she's fat. I thought, 
But I was told that they didn't have anorexia in Romania. I said, I'll just take this out of our manual and just give it to you. We had the practical step-by-step, this is what you do. The point is, I had no idea that our material was actually transcultural. Now, I was very careful when I wrote the material on whatever the topic would be. I remember always thinking, let's just use common, understandable illustrations that people could understand around the world. But unbeknownst to me, we quickly began to be recognized. And next thing you know, they're translating and even developing courses with our material extensively, for example, in Spanish. And it was phenomenal to see this is important. It wasn't me. It was the principles. We had God's truth for today's problems. That's what they wanted. And that is transcultural. Absolutely. And I can say from experience, from traveling with you, problems are problems. Messiness is messiness, as Mm. we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Every culture has them. But when you base everything on the foundation of God's word, looking back, why would we not expect it to be um, so welcomed in so many different countries? So I know that you have a passion for teaching God's word. I would love to understand a little bit of your time when you were teaching at Criswell College. Well, I'd not ever planned to teach at the college level and never thought that our material would be used at the college level or the seminary level, even though people kept telling me, oh, no, no, you you don't understand what we don't have at the seminary level. But I still thought, well, they're just being nice or something. But I remember... Uh, doing the first term, it was very unusual. It was solely the topic of childhood sexual abuse. And then the next one, they, they wanted just crisis counseling. And so I was able to, you know, several times during the day, I would switch from one topic to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And I remember so distinctly being impacted by the students there. When I was teaching on childhood sexual abuse, there was one student who would never look at me, just would look straight or down. And the third day, finally, she came to me after the session was over and said, I don't know what to do. I was sexually abused by my brother for a number of years, and now I see in his two daughters the same impact that it seemed to have on me, and I'm very concerned about his daughters. And she said, but I I can't really report it. I said, why can you not report it? Well, it would just terribly impact our whole family. It would be terrible. I said, what would you be glad you did 10 years from now? Would you be glad that you kept silent? Or would you be glad that you reported it? She said, I would be glad that I reported it. I would feel that was the right thing to do. I said, you can do it anonymously. And that's exactly what she did. She came, she told me, she said, well, we don't have anything cooperating. Nine months later, she called me that because of her call, it corroborated somebody else's report of specifics. And he was removed from the home because of the impact that he had already had on these daughters. 
And and my brightest student, he said, you know, I teach several hundred kids in the projects. He said, I know this is happening. What I'm going to do is take what you've written on how to protect kids. Mm -hmm. June, I want to ask you, I want our listeners to understand when you were having these conversations long before they were public conversations. So when you're at Criswell and you are talking about these topics, nobody's talking about unheard of. What, what year would this have been? This, this was uh, 1998 and 99. And uh, you're right. In fact, there were station managers who said, you realize this is a Christian station. We don't have this kind of content. I said, but it's important because one in three girls up to the age of 18 and one in five boys up to the age of 18 are victims of childhood sexual abuse. Well, most people would never believe one in three girls. All you have to do is think about, look at the, a class of girls. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Same thing true with domestic violence. The same statistic around the world. The international statistic is one out of three women will be abused. And so we need to make a difference. We are called. This is what Jesus did. He literally confronted his culture in regard to prejudice. He would dare speak to a woman. Well, that was unheard of. There was a prejudice, and he would confront prejudice. He would confront people in a way that would literally be life-changing. June, I want to personally thank you for all those listeners that have been listening for 34 years. You've helped give people voice, and it's just not your opinion. It's based on Scripture. Yes. And uh, that's empowering when you can give people the voice they need to speak into the things that uh, have been wrong and have not been right. And I just... Uh, I wish they could all just be here with me today in the mm-hmm. studio and give you a hug. And I have no doubt there'd just be tons and tons of tears. Um, but just thank you. You are never shy to take on the issues that um, others shy away from because they just aren't willing to go where there could be some opinions that we don't want to hear. Well, you know, we at times we had our list, but then next at times we expand the list like sex trafficking. We've just added that. And I taught on that because this is huge in our culture now. And not that it's not been huge in the culture, but we must address this. And we have solutions of what to do. Uh, We added other topics because people keep, we'll say, were you ever going to add this topic? And that's when I began to be very aware. Initially, I contacted pastors professional counselors, what do people come to you about? And I made that list of 96 topics based on what I had been given from those who are the people helpers. And then to know that we can be relevant to our culture, that's the complaint many times about Christianity. You're not being relevant. You're just talking in your little circles and you're doing nothing. Well, we're doing something and we're preparing our people, uh, those who are Christians, caregivers, to literally make a difference. You know, being relevant, I think it's just a God gift that you have. Um, Your ability to see something, identify it, break it down, uh, be practical, look for God's guidance. And one area that you've done that is your book on caring for a loved one with cancer. And I'd love to understand, most people write books like this from 
the perspective of the person who has the cancer. Mm -hmm. But you chose not to write it from that perspective. Well, 2001, all of a sudden, I find out, oh, it's not just a lump. What was said to me, June, you do have a malignancy. You will have to have a mastectomy. You will lose your hair. And I remember thinking, well, what does the hair have to do with this? And um, I was stunned because that was not in my family history, at least on my mother's side. I had no idea to consider my father's side. And there was a lot of cancer there. Bottom line, I thought, well, okay, all the days ordained for me were written in God's book before one of them came to be. So... I can't extend the time. So I remember a, a scripture I taught several times through the book of Philippians, and there's a scripture in Philippians 1.20. It's whether by life or by death, may Christ be honored in my body. So I thought, oh, well, I don't know if my time is long or short, but whatever it is, I just hope people can be drawn to Christ. And I can tell you this. You talk about a surprise. The first time I mention this on the radio, I'm besieged with call after call after call, letters and all these things. And But, you know, I thought, well, okay, um, I will do whatever I need to do to help people. And I was so stunned at how many ways people reached out to me. It totally took me aback. There were all kinds of specific acts that people did for me that I would not have thought of. And finally, I started making a list, and I, it kind of grew into this book called Caring for a Loved One with Cancer. There are a lot of books that are for the person who has cancer. There was hardly anything at the time for those who were trying to help those who had cancer. So we have 50 practical ways to care for your loved one, but then we added tips for the temporary trials. That was chemotherapy. And you know, I call all this my fascinating journey because I knew nothing about cancer. Never thought I would have it. Now I have compassion. We even have a section, uh, don't forget about the children. What do you do to help children who don't have the cancer, but they're in the family because so often they're forgotten and then there's a section for those who need spiritual healing. My brother-in-law had a glioblastoma. That's inoperable. He was a symphony conductor and uh, he was an atheist. And 10 days before he died, I flew in to see his last conducting. And I just prayed for an opportunity to talk with him. I didn't know if I would have one. I was there Wednesday for that. No time. Thursday, no time. I thought, well, there's no opportunity. And so I'm going to leave on a plane at 3 o'clock. And my sister says, June, you can talk from 12 to 1 before you go to the airport. So I explained that eternity is too long to be wrong. That's why I had to talk with him. If at all possible, I said, I wouldn't be talking with you about this, except eternity is too long to be wrong. He heard every word I said. He said, I've never heard this before. And it was the plan of salvation using medical examples, like if I had the cure for cancer and I gave it to you, you could take it 
or you could leave it. It's offered, but the Bible is clear that salvation is a gift to be received. The bottom line is my brother-in-law did pray. I didn't know he did until after I, when I came to his funeral. And all I know is all these people were telling me, June, all he does is talk about that conversation you had with him. And my sister said, June, he came to know God through your conversation. And I said, why do you think so? And then she explained some specifics. So you never know what a book could do, what truth can do to literally set people free. June, I will always think of you as the ultimate encourager of hope hmm. and the ultimate people helper. God designed that in you. And uh, I know that's always been on your heart since you've started the ministry, that in the recent few months, you've actually launched something new uh, specifically for people helpers. Uh, we need as many as we can get. Churches can't do it all by themselves. We need to train them up with God's word. Practical help is good, but it needs to be practical help coming from the foundation of the Word of God. Can you just share a little bit about the new initiative on Lifeline to Hope? Well, I received a phone call from the church where I came into a relationship with Christ. It's a huge church. And um, they said, we've been using your material in our care ministry. And he kept talking. I thought, using our material? I, don't, I don't know my material is being used. So finally I said, excuse me, could you go back? What do you mean you're using our material? For For what? And he said, the care ministry. And I found out they would select 20 people each year to train them how to make a difference, not only among people in the church, but also in their own families, among coworkers or the people that they're around, their neighbors, to give answers, real answers for real problems. He said, yes, we've been using your material. Well, I said, well, I had no idea. So they described what they were doing. And then I learned that our material also was used in several other places. I began to understand. And then someone did a survey of pastors. Do you have this ministry? None of them had that. If you had it, would you want it? Every pastor wanted it. So here was a hole that was not being filled. And I thought, if this is not being done, we need to do it. And we have the material to help people, just like my church is using it year after year after year. So now it is called Lifeline to Hope. The lifeline part is we need to throw out that lifeline to people who are drowning or people who just need to be afloat. With what? Well, with that which will keep them alive and enable them to survive whatever it is. So there is a core course called Lifeline to Hope. Let me add one thing that's really important. When there is a trauma or a tragedy, 75% of the population goes to the pastor, priest, or rabbi. And they expect this one man to handle all these challenges and to have all these answers. There's no way they can handle it. So what a blessing when there can be someone at the church who would be assigned to help facilitate, to help the people helpers that are chosen for Lifeline to Hope. It would be the people who have a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and those who want to learn more and more how to be relevant, how to present God's truth for today's problems. 
Well, then we have our 100-plus Keys for Living. Uh, like at one church, they take two weeks per topic, and they teach it, and then they figure out how to apply it. If it's like suicide prevention, what do you say to someone who says, I don't want to go on. I just want the pain to stop. They may not ever use the word suicide, but you have to listen to those key words, these phrases. You ask, are you considering harming yourself? Well, I know what I would do. What would you do? So then you get how to talk to someone and how to interact. So we can help people even in their darkest hours to have the light of Christ and to walk from darkness into the dawn. June, as we wrap up this last show, our last program on daytime for Hope for the Heart, I really um, want to encourage all of our listeners to slow down, take a deep breath, really think about what God's calling them to do. Who is God calling them to help? Where do they need help that they need to reach out? I hope everyone listening will go to your website, junehunt.org, and just take a deep breath, browse through the website, look at all the things that God has gifted all of your listeners for all these years through your ministry and through you. As we wrap up, would you mind saying goodbye and saying a prayer for our listeners and our stations? Mm, I'd love to. Jesus, we thank you that, as the scripture says, you are the anchor of our souls. Hope is the anchor for our souls. And so, Lord, thank you that you give us hope for our hearts. I pray for each person who needs help and hope that they would not only turn to you, but know that your truth will set them free. Thank you that you give us specific principles. You give us practical application to help us know what to do. And Lord, we know there are people all around us that need help. Everyone wants to know someone wise. And I pray that those listening right now would be committed to become wise, to have wisdom from you, so that those who don't know what to do will have you for a resource. Lord, thank you that your truth sets us free and you give us hope for our hearts. So we commit ourselves to you in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, June, for that prayer. You're listening to Hope for the Heart with June Hunt. I'm so grateful to June for sharing her story and for helping us see how God's truth can be applied to life's problems. By now, you've probably heard that today, Friday, October 2nd, this broadcast is transitioning off the air. So in addition to these special programs, June's recorded a message for you. Here she is. Hi, this is June again. I've been humbled by how God has blessed this broadcast by reaching millions of people over the past 34 years. We've been sharing the vital message how God's truth provides real answers to our real questions. After October 2nd, our daytime broadcast will transition off the air, but you can still listen to our nighttime program. And I invite you to our new website, junehunt.org. Here you'll find my audio teaching resources, just like you've heard on this broadcast. Plus, our Keys for Living series will be available, addressing relevant topics like anger, abuse, grief, forgiveness, marriage and family issues, and many other topics people face in life. 
Words can't express how much I appreciate our loyal listening audience. So join me as we step into this new season. Make junehunt.org your place to go for biblical hope and practical help where I'll continue to provide God's truth for today's problems anytime, anywhere. June, thank you for that special message. As June said, we're grateful to our listeners, and we invite you to join us as we transition to some new areas of ministry, like the website junehunt.org. You can still listen to June on her late-night radio program, Hope in the Night. Look for it on a local radio station or listen online at junehunt.org. And follow June on Facebook for daily messages of hope. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Remember that there is hope, no matter the circumstance. And thank you for listening to June Hunt on Hope for the Heart.